Listen, we're reasonable people, you know. Uh, we we went into last week thinking for sure Washington's going to lose to Oregon, no chance. But Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix and these goddamn dogs had other ideas. Humongous upset win for the Washington Huskies over Oregon. It gets no better uh, than right now to be college football fans for our money. We're going to talk about all that and more in this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Well, you work all week on trying to identify who the eligible receivers are. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. So we will start it off. How about USC and Colorado? Here's a non-contest for you. Uh, USC were 55 to 17 winners. They had a month. They had a 34 point spread to cover it and cover it. They did. Uh, I'll tell you what. As a Colorado backer, double both picked them for the podcast and then convinced our group to bet on them in this game. Yeah, yeah, he did. After the first quarter, I was like, we won because Colorado was leading this thing three to two through one. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean there was a there was a hill to be climbed. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and limited time to climb it. And USC um, ascended that hill in record time. Yeah. I mean, I was feeling good about this game. So then USC goes 24-0 to in the second. I'm like, all right, that's what I get for, oh, Colorado scores the first touchdown in the second half. All of a sudden, we got a 16-point game, and there's like 20 minutes left to go. And no. then. No. I knew, I knew you were toast after halftime. <laughs> Unbelievable. There's a huge, there's a huge. They had covered the first half spread USC had uh, comfortably. And once halftime rolled around, it appeared to me that this was just, it was only a matter of time for Colorado. If you tell me that Colorado is going to be ahead at the end of the first quarter in this game and that they're going to score two second half touchdowns, I'm putting the life savings on Colorado to cover 34 with those facts. You and that's fair. <laughs> Those life savings would be gone because <laughs> there's a 24 to nothing second quarter in there that really is going to skew the end result for you. <laughs> and it did. And it did. All right. Uh, next up, how about Washington State and Arizona State? Here's a game uh, that will really deceive you with a final score of 28 to 18. Uh, Cougs got out to a 28 to 0 lead in this game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they did. They came way out. And it looked to me like they were going to win by 50. Yeah. And then they didn't score anymore. They quit scoring. Here's what's interesting about this game to me. Is that we've had the Arizona State storyline for the year, right? Is that the Emory Jones goes down on that Ace of Turner hit. And then this Borgay comes in and he's like, this guy's a player, right? Uh, yeah. Borgay, uh, that he turned into a pumpkin in the first half of this game. Emory Jones comes in in the second half. And we've got a quasi... Come back, you know, when Arizona State scored with a uh, minute 20 to go, if they hit a two-point conversion, they, it would have made it a one-score game. Uh, they failed, but uh, with the quarterback controversy is back on in Tempe. Who cares, I guess. I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, Washington, uh, in light of recent events, really um, – Unfortunate that this Borgay guy got to prove himself a uh, Division One player against them, um, and that's sort of backed it up in the past few weeks. But Washington State saw something on film, 
returned him to his status as a uh, backup walk-on and got up to a big enough win or a big enough lead to take care of business. Yeah. And cover, and cover right? I mean, they, they were eight-point favorites, right? But they covered. Cover it right up. Never a doubt for the Cougs. Uh, how about Oregon State in California? The uh, uh, <laughs> coach who turned down Oregon, Justin Wilcox, <laughs> now sits three and seven at Cal with an offense that can't do shit. Uh, Oregon State, uh, I'm a little bit hard done in recent weeks. I mean, they, had, they you know, their losses this year are like a, a tight, should have won the game against Washington, uh, lost to USC, and a loss to Utah. Those aren't bad losses. Those aren't bad losses, dude. This is a, a fine football team in Oregon State, and they really, really handled uh, Cal's weak bullshit. Uh, Oregon State does have quarterback problems. You know, like they switched to this Goldbranson guy or whatever, you know, but, like, this guy is, like, he's underwhelming. I mean, both teams in this in this arena have had trouble with, with quarterbacks this year. This this was the game that got Cal's offensive coordinator and offensive line coach fired, and I know what you're thinking: How were they not already fired? Yeah. Um, and this this wasn't their interim guys who got let go. This was the guys he came into the season with, who he had kept around. Um, just, uh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're like because he probably can go to the administration. Is like, apparently people are interested in what I'm doing here, so why don't you back off? And let me have my assistance. And then eventually they're like, no, nah, this is unacceptable. Yeah, no, this doesn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, this interesting game, Oregon State continues to, to struggle. I mean, if they had a legit quarterback, they for sure would have beat Washington. Probably would have beat, I don't know. I mean, maybe they wouldn't have beat USC or Utah, but they could have been. It was like a three-point game against USC or something. Was it? It was like a one-score game and like USC had five turnovers. USC yeah. like collected five Oregon State turnovers, rather. Yeah. So, so if your your argument being if you've got a, a quality quarterback in there, that's not going to happen. Oregon State's winning that game. So, what could have been for Jonathan Smith? Ironic, since he is the best quarterback in the history of that school, and at the University of Washington, oversaw some decent quarterback, both recruiting and play. Um, you'd think he'd be that'd be a position of strength for him to not only recruit but to coach. Um, but yeah, I mean. Good, good for him to, to beat up on Cal and Wilcox had to fire half his offensive staff and I don't, I don't think they'll be missed this week. To be honest, you could let, you could let anybody call those plays and they're going to come up with the same result. Yep. Alrighty, uh, Utah and Stanford. Uh, I, I don't even know. Like, I mean, I feel like there's not enough of a Stanford fan community to determine whether or not David Shaw's job is in jeopardy. In jeopardy. But uh, Stanford, they got out to a seven-zero lead. They were done scoring. 42 unanswered for Utah. Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> the seven, I, I love these games. They happen frequently where a significant underdog scores first. And it's just the the life that it breathes into you. Like, wait a minute. Maybe. Oh, no. Maybe Upset we're watch. Be in this thing. And immediately that gets snuffed out and halfway through the third quarter the stadium's empty or or if it's a home game for their team then everyone's you know checked out because it's it's over but uh stanford coming off of a week where wilner had tweeted that it was the type of game that gets coaches fired um turns around with another uh nothing burger you you have to wonder at some point if shaw's going to feel some heat uh based on how bad 
his team is this year. They are absolutely atrocious. Listen, I would respect nothing more than if he came back and was like, listen, I've been doing this for a long time. I got enough money to retire. I'm not doing this anymore. I beat Notre Dame this year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. I've made transitory out. property. I'm, I've fielded a team that's superior to Clemson. What yeah. do you want me to do? I'm out. With these assholes. Um, they were, there was, I was hearing uh, Cam Rising, the Utah quarterback, he said it was going to be his last game in Rice-Eccles. Uh, he's got eligibility. And I don't know that he's like a prospect. I'm pretty sure he's not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that's an NIL negotiating tactic, which I think is a real thing now. Yeah. Where, you know, I'm looking at you, uh, Michael Penix. <laughs> uh, yeah. Where you've got a mid-round uh, draft grade coming your way, which equates to a pretty nice contract, but not an overwhelming contract, rookie contract. Yeah. Uh, and you've got a fan base who would very much appreciate you staying for another year, potentially uh, to the tune of several million dollars. Yeah. So I've, I've uh, got a hundred bucks in on whatever we're going for, for him. And that's like too much money for me to be spending on that sort of thing. Easy, easy. Yes. Yeah. And, and there's more people who have more money than us, I think who would put in larger chunks. Yeah. But I think rising falls into that category of, of if you've got eligibility, you're not going to get a, an NFL draft grade that is going to result in a contract that could not be easily beaten by the fan base of the yeah, school. Of a, so, of a desperate, uh, yeah. you know, Vanderbilt football program or something. I, I think just the Utah football program. Yeah, the Utah program. They're like, no, nah, come on. This is like, we've seen the quarterbacks we have around here. This is as good as we get. Yeah, I think we, they could come up with seven figures pretty quick if it means another season with them. How, how about this one? Uh, UCLA, right? One loss going into this game, I believe, UCLA. Uh, firmly in the mix for the Pac-12 title game against uh, an Arizona team that needs to win out to get bowl eligibility. UCLA, what happened? What happened? It's tough to go into the desert, man. University of Washington learned that lesson earlier this year. UCLA just learned it last weekend. Well, here's some news for you. It happened at the Rose Bowl. <laughs> That's Pasadena, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, that did not occur to me that they could have lost at home. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not so good. I mean, um, it was probably in front of like, you know, 32,000 people. But like, uh, yeah, it's just baffling to me. That's yeah, not great. Uh, the only thing I have seen about this game, and it's not even about this game, was, was Jaden Delora, the quarterback for Arizona, was asked, either in the aftermath of this game or in the press, you know, the next day or two about his upcoming game with Washington State. And he said, just watch, it's personal. Which I thought was an interesting thing for someone to say who, like, left them in the lurch when they very much wanted him to stay. And, like, they did everything in their power to keep him, and then he left, and now he's, like, taking the position that it's personal. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, like, yeah, because I've betrayed them and made it personal. Yeah, because of my actions, it is now personal. Yeah, their um, shit is bowl eligible. I don't know what he's talking about. Good. I'm glad he said that. I'm big on the Cougs this week then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I don't know. That doesn't really t relate to the UCLA win. Good win for Jed Fish, even more so now that I knew it was on the road. I just assumed it was in Arizona. Whenever 
an Arizona school wins a game they shouldn't. I just chalk it up to like the desert does weird things. Um, uh, to be fair, this game occurred while uh, you and I were in uh, blissful delirium. Yes. <laughs> After the Washington Huskies went into Autzen Stadium as like 13 and a half point underdogs or something like this against number sixth in the country fringe playoff contender Oregon Ducks. Uh, Bo Nix, unstoppable. He, he makes 80 touchdowns a game. The Huskies. The Huskies. Here's a stat for you. Uh, win this game, 37-34. to 34. Washington's last uh, win in a one-score game in this series was in 1989. In the, well, it, that- since 1989... There have been before this year. There were seven one-score games in the series. All of them won by Oregon. Yeah, it checks out. I've been around. I mean, to be honest with you, I, it honestly doesn't check out because you and I only see two-score wins by like double-digit wins by Oregon. Yeah. Well, um, the most of the other ones are far bigger wins for Oregon. <laughs> like, yes. Like, yes. And then the odd, you know, UW blowout thrown in there. Uh, in where four of those over that time period, <laughs> but like for the most well, part. Uh, it's been ducks, ducks, and more ducks. Uh, but I mean, just an amazing game where like everybody from jump, right. is like these, you know, this is like the two defenses are like pretty suspect. Right. And then when you get a first half in this game, that is super cagey, like not, you know, like, you know, mistake filled for sure. But, uh, you know, it ends up only being 13 to 10 at the half. And you're like, man, this is real rivalry football. They put the clamps down. And then uh, third quarter had five possessions, all touchdowns. <laughs> it's um, it's like the defenses came out with a slightly different look and the communication between the defensive coaches on the field and the guys in the booth were was cut. And at halftime, they all got together and each defensive staff made, or uh, each offensive staff made a, a single adjustment and that adjustment proved fatal to the other side's defense for yeah. both teams. Yeah. Oregon, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, to back up into that first half, that first touchdown that Washington scored where Twala Papa took the ball and could have driven a Humvee through the hole that was created. Now that is a running play that we have seen in this rivalry ad nauseum over the course of the last 20 years always with it being Oregon handing the ball off to somebody and you just immediately have the, Oh my, Oh my God, there's nobody there. Yeah. Um, you know, response as he breaks, as the, as the guy breaks through the first line of defense yeah. and there's just, yeah, you're like, nobody. yeah, you're just, yeah. you're like, how do we yeah. not have a guy there? It's, it's, he just got the ball and ran straight forward. Yes. And I mean, if you look at the hole that Tuala Papa had and where the rest of the defense was, they were nowhere to be found. That was interesting to me, although, to your point, then, the, then you know, Oregon scored one touchdown, Washington kicked two field goals, Oregon kicked a field goal, that was it for the rest of that half. But then in the second half, the track meet started, and it was a delight. Yeah, I mean, if you were what a game to watch if you were a neutral fan, you know. Just like all offense, nobody could stop anything, and bombs for touchdowns. Bo Nix, 46-yard touchdown to Dante Thornton. Uh, we had... Penix, a 76-yard touchdown. Penix, excuse me, to Jalen Polk. Uh, Bo Nix, 67 yards to Troy Franklin. 
Phoenix, 62 yards to Taj Davis in the throw of the century. Unbelievable throw. That, that sideline throw. At the, and they're just like, what What I was taken by at this game, right? Because, like, after after this, and I'll jump around. I didn't, I didn't have, like, a good order of things to talk about for this game. But after this game, as I do any time Washington has a big win of any kind, right, I'm immediately going to the opposing team's message boards. You know, I want to see a meltdown. And I will say, this makes me more mad at Oregon fans. They took it great. Uh, they they were like, well, we just couldn't stop them. You know what I mean? Uh, they, and none of them were like, nobody like, you know, somebody tried to bring up the refs and other people were like, what are you talking about? Like, we couldn't stop anything. Like, you can't say we deserve to win that game. You know, because of the because of the late did he or did he not step out of bounds yeah. on, on the last drive. Uh, and But the thing that uh, really struck me after, like, looking at some message boards and look at some reaction YouTubes from Oregon fans is that, like, I, as we've alluded to already in this conversation, am incredibly familiar with the feeling of Oregon has the ball. Uh, we cannot do anything to stop them. Right. Correct. You're just helpless. And it happened in this game that Washington won. Right. In the second half, when Oregon had the ball, I was like, well, we need an act of God or it's going for six eventually. All we can do is delay it. Uh, uh, And they had the exact same feeling in this game. Uh, Probably didn't didn't feel great. Yeah, they had the exact same feeling that they just were never going to stop us, which is funny because I'm watching the game and I'm thinking, well, yeah, we're scoring, but like what we're doing is harder to do than what they're doing to score, you know? Because like to me, they were just handing it off uh, uh, to their running backs, particularly that Bucky Irving. What yeah. a player he is! Uh, and our guys just for, did not know how to tackle him. Yeah, the highlight reel. If you go back and look at like the YouTube highlights of this game, are not flattering for uh, Asa Turner in particular. Um, bouncing off a lot of tackles, uh, missing missing quite a few tackles yeah. on Oregon running backs. I, I'm with you. I, it's it's a fascinating. I mean, if you boil if you boil the whole game down to the mistake that usually costs Washington the game happened. Phoenix threw the pick at the one yard line. Terrible pick. Terrible pick. Down four, going into the end zone to go back up by by a field goal. Terrible pick. I was Oregon listening to uh, uh, to uh, shut down Fullcast after this, and they made a good point uh, regarding Oregon's uniforms. Uh, could not have been uh, more alerted to the fact that that was a bad place to try and throw a football. Yeah, with like four so, of those guys right there. Right. So you had you had that happen. The act of God that you. A aforementioned act of God happened on their corresponding drive, which went 90 yards, but stopped short of the goal line and resulted in a field goal, which meant that it was still a one score game. I felt incredibly lucky as a Washington fan. So lucky to, to be in that situation. Washington gets the ball back with three minutes. The game, the momentum is clearly in favor of Oregon. The first two plays of that drive are nothing to write home about a, a incomplete pass and a, a pass out in the flat for two or three yards. Yep. And then the absolute act of God laser beam throw down the sideline to Taj Davis 
which Kurt Herbstreet pointed out, the safety is a six-year guy. He, it didn't even occur to him to like take a different angle because he just wasn't prepared for that throw that brought Washington back into the game, tied the game. You know what Again. I said when we scored that touchdown? What? I was like, too quick. Too quick, like 100%. That's exactly where I was going with it. You've got too much time left. Oregon's going to get the ball back, and we need another act of God, our third act of God in the last three sequence of events, yeah. um, to prevent them from marching down the field and kicking the winning field goal or scoring a touchdown with you know 10 seconds left to, to win. Oregon's quarterback, Bo Nix, was banged up on the prior um, series, which is in part probably why they kicked the field goal from their three or four. Yeah. Um, and... So the Ty Thompson backup guy comes in. They run the ball three times. They get to within six inches of a first down. And basically within Washington being in field goal range, if they get the ball back, Oregon goes for it. I don't – I mean, the online world exploded with this. Mandel and others were, you know, losing their minds, primarily because Lanning didn't call timeout to get Knicks back in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I, I mean, it's interesting. There's nobody faulting them for going for it at fourth and one inside their own 35. They're all faulting him for not taking a timeout and putting Nick's back in, which will tell you everybody's mind is in the same place there, which is just keep, you know, off, the last team on offense wins. Yeah. Um, and, and so Washington gets the, they snap the ball on fourth and one to be fair to Washington's defense. They blew the play up. Uh, MJ Ole blew up the middle uh, Olafoshu came on this up in one of the B gaps. I think he would have likely tackled the running back in the backfield if the running back hadn't been flicked over by God and just fallen over. Yeah. Um, so we got our third act of God in a row and three successive uh, sequence of events. And Washington gets the ball back in field goal range, kicks a field goal, and then uh, the longest 55 seconds of any of our lives play out <laughs> um including a fourth and 14 conversion for fourth and 14 conversion a a seven minute delay on a review weird ass penalty that you almost never see yep um just all kinds of things that went into it and then nicks on the final play of the game didn't even bother to throw the ball into the end zone one I mean, of the I, worst hail mary attempts you'll ever see i've i think that's like under under reported because it you know nobody there's so much other stuff to talk about but what was he doing there? <laughs> I ball. think having you know watched the highlights a handful of times, they did have a receiver there at the five. I think they were gonna just they figured, well, everybody's gonna be in the end zone. We'll get it to this guy at the five, and then we'll dipsy do it in. We'll do we'll chuck it around. We'll ha- you know there. I haven't seen like an all twenty two angle or something like that, but I have to assume that there's somebody coming for a little lateral action, and they're gonna figure something out. Was okay. the idea. That's asking for a lot, but fair enough. We Washington did receive enough divine intervention that maybe Oregon figured it was due. Um, all things considered, um, a damn delight if you're a Washington fan to go into Autzen Stadium, end their opportunity to be a playoff team, end their 23-game uh, winning streak at home, beat a top-10 team on the road, and Kalen DeBoer has his signature win for year one of his uh, Husky endeavor. A, a humongous victory. Uh, it it uh, was just amazing. I mean, as bad, a, like, 
Alex Cook, uh, that hit on Bo Nix, I think, unlocks everything uh, in terms of how that last sequence goes out. With him hobbled, I think exactly what you said, that influences their decision to kick the field goal and go up seven rather than, uh, you know, go for it on fourth down with Nix back in there and probably get it because we weren't stopping them. Uh, And also influences how aggressive Washington can be on the subsequent fourth and one play uh, because the backup quarterback's still in there everybody knows that they're not letting him do it. He's not throwing and he's not keeping it. So everybody look at that running back, get to him as quick as you can. Like, and Washington also had that added benefit of Oregon has an all conference center that was clearly having some sort of shoulder pectoral issue on the second to last drive. Uh, who that, you know, was, I, I don't even know if he was in the game at that point, but, um, it was amazing. I mean, like, so so back to the fourth and one play for Oregon. I, I'm in the same boat as everybody else. I don't have any problem with them going for it there in their own territory. I think, though, that you have to, uh, and I don't care that if you take a timeout or not, you know, like I, maybe you do looking back if Bo Nix is ready to go back in the game, who cares? Uh, but uh, I think, like, if you have the balls to go for it, you have to have the balls to call a pass. Or you have to have the balls to tell him, keep this. Nobody thinks you will have this ball. You're going to be running free alone to people cheering you if you just hold on to this ball on the mesh. But, like, uh, they were just too predictable uh, on that play call. Uh, Running back fell over, but he fell over because that play was just exploded. Like, he was was trying to find an exit that didn't exist uh, and trying to make a cut too severe uh and then yeah man that was it was insane insane beautiful beautiful night if you're a husky football fan it's a beautiful night one that we have seen very few of in the past years in terms of the magnitude of that win yeah it was uh it couldn't be better how'd we do on picks last week good actually for a change um you went five and one let's go and some of us went four and two some of us went three and three and one of us went two and four um, that just leaves to a big bunch up of us in that 43-44 win space. Butchart's out ahead at 46. So you and I have two games to make up on him, and uh, Adam and Kellen have three games to make up on him. I can do that. We can totally do that. I'm hot. So let's talk about it. All right. Uh, let's start off. Uh, the Jane Delora Bowl. It's personal. This time it's personal. The Cougs are four-point favorites against Arizona in Tucson. You like it? I like I like Arizona here. I'm going to ride with these Cougs, dude. I think like the Cougs are good ish, you know what I mean? And they just have to like in Arizona ha- I don't I I think the Cougs defense has been like one of the underplayed stories of the year and throw in the fact that they want to shove it up this kid's ass. Yeah, it could be, Well, I like your pick. I think Arizona at home coming off a big win, you're going to have the momentum again. I'm deathly afraid of the desert, so we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm all in on the Cougs. How about Oregon state and Arizona state? Uh, you can't give me a big enough number kind of for Oregon State going into this game because I think Oregon State is like a legitimately a good team. Arizona State, not so much. 
and Oregon State's only favored by eight. That seems like an error. I'm with you. I'm taking the Beavs. Yeah, I've, I don't get that at all. Um, oh, and we got a big game. We got a rivalry. Stanford and Cal. Cal against a god-awful Stanford team that barely qualifies as a college football team. Cal are five-point favorites at home. At, when was the, wait, listen to me. FTX Field at California Memorial Stadium. <laughs> I, I would love to know when the last time a team as bad as Cal fires its offensive coordinator and offensive line coach <coughs> and in the next game is a pretty decent favorite. <laughs> like, that's, that's something, folks. I did um, not know it was FTX Field. Yes, it was. It is not anymore. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, all right, so who you got? You got these Cal Bears, you got these Stanford Cardinal. Uh, yeah. Uh, Stanford finds a way, dude. I kind of agree with you. I just, I can't pick Cal. They, have, they don't have any offensive coaches. Like, yeah, yeah. That's just no good. Um, it doesn't work. Stanford so. is so bad, but that win over Notre Dame is just so weird. They have that in them. Yeah, they can they can jump up and get it. All right, next up we got uh, – what do they call the, the L.A. game? USC and UCLA. Uh, monster game. We've got CFP implications. USC are now the one-loss Pac-12 team with an outside shot at making the playoff. Uh, they're 9-1. and one. UCLA are 8-2. and two. USC are mere two-point favorites in this game. Not enough, dude. I think USC is going to hammer them. Here come the Bruins. I'm going to take the Bruins in this game. I think they're going to lose by 20. I think that's probably a possibility. I think USC's defense low-key sucks dick. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know that UCLA can figure that out because they didn't do it against Arizona last week. That's but. perfect, though. That's UCLA. That's UCLA football. They're never going to give you any kind that you never get. Whatever you're getting out of UCLA, it's very wildly different week to week. They're never Fair good. Enough. They're never bad. Okay. The only thing that's consistent about them is their wild inconsistency. I like the Bruins. Okay. Uh, how about Utah and Oregon? Another monster game. How about UCLA and Oregon really blowing the chance to make these like two really monster CFP games? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they definitely blew that up. Um, Utah two point favorites. Do we have a Do we have a Bo Nix prognosis? Yeah, that he's not going to play, according to the one of the wide receivers for Oregon. Um, and Landing says he's practicing as if he's going to play. But that's much different than saying he is, in fact, going to play. Um, you, uh, Oregon started out, I think, minus four in this game, and it's now Utah minus two. So Vegas certainly does not think that Bo Nix is going to play. Um, so I think I'm going to take the Utes. I'm going to take the Utes too, dude. I, I like I uh, if Bo Nix doesn't play, they're going to go with this other guy who everybody hates. That's that's the rumor. How are they going to, you know, it's a different world because uh, you're giving up 30. So, like, you need the guy that scores 50. And if yeah, you don't have him, uh, then to me that's a problem. It is a problem. I agree with you. 
All right. And that leaves us lastly with the Washington Huskies against the Colorado Buffaloes. The dogs are laying 31 <laughs> humongous points. The line, well, if this were any other game, I would, of course, be incorrectly saying the line is too big. Well, you can still say that. The rules of the pod force our hand here, which is nice. We don't have to try and pick this. We just get to say UW. Um, I could see it, honestly. Colorado's pretty, They're pretty bad. They're bad, dude. Uh, pretty bad. They're bad. And UW's defense low-key looked okay last week in the first half, as you mentioned. And, and you know, um, I think if you had told a UW fan going into last week's game that they would give up 34 points to Oregon – most would take that um, coming yeah. out of the gates. Like, I said, like, yeah, that's not a bad performance for this defense. So maybe signs of life on that side of the ball. Um, so I look forward to watching this game, and I hope UW uh, is up by 20 points at halftime. Here are some famous last words. This is the type of game that you go into it reasonably expecting it for it to be, like, over early second quarter. Yes. You know what I mean? Like Washington's up like three scores and you're like, well, they're not trying and we're doing whatever we want. And then it's not. <laughs> and then it's not somehow. Yes. But yeah, I love it, dude. Yeah. I mean, I think this would, uh, Washington are overwhelming favorites to, you know, certainly win the game outright and then uh, potentially go into the Apple Cup with, you know, a chance for a 10 win regular season, which after that Arizona State game did not seem like it was on the table. Uh, so, I mean, the, the, the best thing you can say for Colorado is, like, you couldn't have more of a trap scenario for Washington between Oregon and Washington State. But still, yeah, yeah I mean, it's just it's just dogs all day. At all home day. against the Colorado team that is just, like, waiting to figure out who their next coach is going to be and a bunch of guys who are, you know, they're essentially already in the transfer portal, any of them that can play. Correct. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers. For Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week.